That was Computer Tango, the most recent single from Atex. Check out his Bandcamp. Everything is just epic. All right. My name is Karin Zoe Lee, and you're listening to Night Ride FM. And tonight, or today, depending on where you are, my guest is going to be Megan McDuffie, and she's going to be back on a little bit later. But I wanted to tell you that uh, right now she's got a, uh, a vinyl pledge going out on Bandcamp. Bandcamp kind of doing the, the crates thing, the... Uh, uh, diggers factory thing but now they're doing pledges for for vinyl so if you want a copy of inner demons on vinyl like i do uh go check out her Bandcamp page we're um almost halfway to the goal <laughs> we've got 24 days left but we'll talk about that more in the interview uh there's another vinyl coming out it's a compilation from polyphonic underground called terrible investments and uh it's uh, dropping tomorrow, technically, but you can find it on some of the artist's band camps, like Zitalites, who com- uh, he contributed this single that he just released called Daft Wave.
was Daft Wave by Zeta Lights. And of course, I play that to promote the uh, Terrible Investments release that that single is going to appear on. Now, it's supposed to drop tomorrow, but if you're in the USA, you can buy it from uh, Johnny Fallout's um, Bandcamp page. If you're in Europe, you can uh, buy it from uh, either Zeta Lights, who's in Denmark, uh, you can buy it from Robot on a Playground in Germany or Drone Fighter in Estonia. It will also be releasing uh, on several artists' Bandcamp pages. It's, it's kind of an experimental thing. So, yeah, it's not a pledge. This one, you're just buying the vinyl outright. So, coming up next, mm, we have uh, we have a brand new premiere, actually. And you're going to be hearing it on Night Ride FM first. Shadowrunner did a collab with his buddy Trenton on this track called Alone in the Dark.
was Alone in the Dark by Shadowrunner, featuring Trenton. And of course, that uh, premiere will also be featured on the State of Synth tonight, so all the working North Americans can actually tune in, like Shadowrunner, who wasn't able to make it tonight. All right, I have another premiere. Drops tomorrow. Seth Duncan, he's in the IRC, so come drop in and bug him. <laughs> he did this collab with Strike Eagle, which is actually about a speakeasy in Toronto that Neon Fox and I work at, <laughs> apparently. Listen carefully to the lyrics. Hello. You're alive, then? Of course I am, but it wasn't easy. You missed the draw. Alpha section were all over us. I really don't care about the reason why. Fine. Look, this line isn't secure. Be a sight be in two hours. You got it. Come in. Close the door. Take a seat. Atop the spoils. Hey, I know that look. Do we need a place to live? we'd find you here. So that's what you look like. Well, 
some things weren't face to face. What the hell do you mean by that? I mean I want my merchandise. Fine. Thank you. It's been a pleasure doing business with you. And that was Speakeasy by Seth Duncan and Strike Eagle. I want my merchandise. I have a premiere from A Dollar Underwater. Normally does uh, vocal tracks. He sent me this. It's his first attempt at an instrumental. This is called This Is Not An Exit.
is this is not an exit by a dollar underwater. Not bad for your first instrumental, dude. <laughs> All right, you know what? I got in touch with uh, my Aztec dealer, John. And you remember that Zombies song, Time of the Season? Thought Bangs did a very synthy cover of that. I absolutely love it.
That was time of the season as covered by Thought Bangs. We all know and love the original. <laughs> Glitbiter just released something brand new. Uh, it's a theme song that she uh, wrote for the podcast of uh, of Tears and Blood. Of Tears and yeah, of Tears and Blood. Of TearsandBlood.com if you want to hear it. And uh, the single by Glitbiter is called Fall Apart.
art by Glitbiter, which she wrote especially for the Of Tears and Blood podcast on oftearsandblood.com if you're interested. John, my Aztec dealer John, sent me another cover, uh, this time by Lau and Zach Vortex, doing a cover of Cindy Lauper's True Colors.
was True Colors, as done by Lau and Zach Vortex. Beautiful. And I got I got one more from my Aztec dealer, John. <laughs> he sent me something from Sight Telma Club, featuring Chris KD on vocals on a track called Tide.
Sight Talma Club featuring Chris Katie on vocals. I got a couple more for you before I bring out my lovely guest. Space Force sent me a few submissions, and I chose Record of a Spaceborn.
was Record of Spaceborn by Space Force. Thank you for the submission. And I've got one more song for you before we bring out our guest. Uh, this is uh, from Portland, Psych, Return of the King featuring Shredder 1984. Shredder 1984, new music. With any luck, that means that Synth City shows will soon be back on, but who knows. All right, here we are, Megan McDuffie. 
<laughs> what should we play? Oh, have you seen the music video for Wicked Thing? If you haven't, check it out. It is a badass song. I don't want to, but I try to silence you inside my head. You're the voice that makes me writhe when I'm a bad. How you split me. 
was Wicked Thing by Megan McDuffie from the album that she just released on the 21st, Inner Demons. And of course, my guest of the hour is Megan McDuffie. Hello, how are you? Hey, I am good. How are you doing? Awesome. Thanks for being on the show. It's about time I've had you. And now that you're in my area. Right. (laughs) I, you know, honestly haven't explored a ton with with the corona pandemic and all of that fun stuff. Um, But we love our house. We love our neighborhood. The little bit of exploring that we have done has been just, it's beautiful here. It's so lush and green and we're just marveling at the forested nature of it. There's just so many trees and it's glorious. Are you cold? (laughs) (laughs) A little bit. I, yeah, it's definitely a big shift from California weather, but it's, it's good. I'm still kind of amazed that it rains here (laughs) yeah like there is a place out there in the world that rains still because we were just getting nothing (laughs) Uh, i had uh john masari on the show the composer for the killer clowns from outer space he's from la and he's like i heard you guys have rain i said i heard you guys don't yep (laughs) we do i told him we get about a week in like july august where it's it's just like LA. There's no rain. It's <laughs> it's hotter than I can stand. But yeah, if that's what you're used to, it won't be so bad. Yeah, I'm thankful because last summer was just atrocious. I do mean that it was like being in hell. The fires were out of control. It was 110 degrees for weeks on end, and we didn't have air conditioning. Nor could we open the windows because of the ash. So it was just oh. the worst thing ever. Oh, goodness. We had a little bit of wildfire mm-hmm. up in our way, but it was mostly just smoke blocking the sunlight. It wasn't, a, you know, we weren't in the thick of it like in California. Yeah, it was nasty. <laughs> so I'm oh. I'm stoked to be up here. That's that's awesome. Now you're part of our scene. <laughs> yeah, woohoo. Now, I don't know what live shows are going to look like around here when things get back up and going, but are you interested in that kind of thing? Interested, yes, though <laughs> it just hasn't been on my radar because I have so much other client work that putting together a live show hasn't really been prioritized, you know? I think that's a universal truth at this point in time. (laughs) (laughs) I was just curious if like you were preparing that before, you know, pandemic hit. No, I wasn't. It's it's a lot of work for one person to put that kind of thing together. And my day job is scoring video games and doing movie trailers and vocals for other people. So I honestly just didn't have the bandwidth for it. I totally understand that. Yeah, you're on a lot of people's work. Yes. <laughs> work is very crazy right now. Let's talk about Inner Demons, especially Wicked Thing. You had a video for that. I did. Did you do that all by yourself? Mm, mostly. Yeah, I. <laughs> as an indie musician, I've got to be scrappy, right? And kind of best utilize my resources. Luckily, my husband is... A photographer as a hobby but he's always done that and he really loves it so we have a super nice camera he's got a good eye and I rope him into my projects sometimes <laughs> so I you know I, I had an idea I was like okay this is probably executed executable DIY style I choreographed a full dance routine and got a piece of vinyl and laid it out in the living room. And we shot about five hours one Saturday (laughs) and my body was killing me for days afterwards, but it was totally worth it. And then I reached out actually to Twitter 
and my fan base and friends and I said, hey, does anyone want to edit this thing that I have? Because I did 13th hour myself and it was great, but it was a big time suck. <laughs> so I was like, hey, does anyone want to edit this for fun? And I had actually about 10 or so responses and I had the luxury of actually choosing somebody based on their previous body of work uh, who was willing to do it for a very, very low fee and just kind of as a fun portfolio builder. So I ended up with this guy who does a lot of uh, video editing and graphics for work just on the daily. And he was like, yeah, I love your work. I'm gonna do it. I always wanna do more music videos and creative stuff. So, you know, literally no budget and he did an amazing job. Wow, and that was, a, that was the last one, right? You came out with 13th Hour a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. I think that was pretty. Thanks, yeah. So you edited that one, 13th Hour, yourself, and then you had to get someone else. Yeah, and Goodness. I had, in between, I had a lyric video for Wicked Thing, which oh, right, yeah. was also edited by a different friend, but I mostly did all of the stock footage sourcing for that, and it's kind of amazing that all of those incredible clips were available for free, and they fit the song so well. <laughs> so i kind of still amazed that I was able to pull that one off, too. So a wicked thing. I got to ask, are you, are you a big Muse fan? <laughs> you know, it's so funny. I, I was very, very into Muse in college. My ex-boyfriend, uh, who I was dating in college, was a big Muse fan, and I had never heard Muse before, and he kind of got me hooked. I was really into showbiz, and then Absolution, that album still is maybe in my top 10. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I love them too. My husband was the one that introduced me. Very cool. And uh, that album, Drones, I really liked it. I liked it better than, uh, what was the one before that, Second Law? Uh, yeah, that, I think that so. That song, Psycho, mm. I feel like it's uh, it could mash up well with Wicked Thing if it was done right. Oh, that's interesting. I actually have not heard that track, so now I'm going to <laughs> go check it out. <laughs> well, it's just the bass part on Wicked Thing, and then mm. the... the guitar part because it on, on the muse song it comes in without the bass and it's like i feel like those could be layered if oh, you know cool. if you mashed them up that would be cool that's anyway that was from like 2015 i think their album so okay yeah i have sort of fallen behind on muses releases <laughs> since plus you do that cover yeah right <laughs> that wasn't true. that album so <laughs> that's also an older song of theirs <laughs> yeah well, it's uh, one of my favorites though it was mm -hmm. time is running out right yeah, yeah, it's one of my favorites, too. Okay, so I noticed you've got one track with a guest vocalist, Michael Garrett Steele. Uh, was he involved in production, and is he just there for the vocals? He was just there for the vocals. I, I knew when I was writing it that I wanted to have that be a duet. Awesome. Did you have him in mind, or did she have to go finding a so, vocalist? So at first, I reached out to one of my biggest idols, IMX, Ooh. aka Chris Corner. He was also the frontman for the band in the 90s called the Sneaker Pimps. They're one of my all-time favorites. Yeah. Um, and believe it or not, his manager actually responded, and <laughs> I was kind of blown away. I'm like, wow, you actually responded to me. This is crazy. Uh, you know, he, he was like, I don't really do, or, you know, the manager speaking on behalf of Chris said, Chris doesn't really do guest vocals, but, you know, what's your plan for the album? I gave them some more details and they said, uh, we're, we're, you know, we're going to pass, but good luck. So I reached out to another incredible vocalist that I knew, who's also <laughs> had a very 
large, amazing track record, Mike Patton, who is, the guy does everything. He's, I mean, I don't even know how many bands he's been with, but he's very famous, very awesome. Again, his manager actually responded and was like, Mike's too busy, but thanks. So okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right, you know, trying to get a couple celebs didn't work out. I reached out to a, another YouTuber who is a very, very awesome vocalist. He wasn't really available. So I reached out to Garrett eventually. I always kind of had him as a plan B in case my <laughs> in case my inquiries didn't didn't work and knew he would be perfect as well. So I was kind of hitting myself like, why didn't I just go to Garrett in the first place? He's going to knock it out. And he did.
were you singing before you were doing anything else musically? It was one of the very first things that I started doing as a child. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I was always a singer. Obviously, it wasn't polished when I was three years old, <laughs> but <laughs> but I would do talent shows and little concerts for my family. And then, you know, I started actually doing some more formal training when I was eight and basically kept formal training in piano and voice for my whole life through through college. I've been doing music forever. It's one of those things that just I yeah. couldn't not do. <laughs> yeah, I remember I remember reading that like in, in your, your bio on your website and you, you had a few uh, videos talking about your musical history. Of course, I always have a million questions. <laughs> I mean, most people start out singing because you're born with that instrument. You don't have to invest in mm -hmm. that until you're ready to train. So do you feel like, um, I guess in your case, were you were you born with a lot of natural talent or do you really owe 100% of it to the hard work? Or is it a good balance of, I mean, it's always a good balance of both, but I mean, I don't know, your own honest opinion, I suppose. <laughs> uh, I'd say it's somewhere in between. Um, I mean, I was definitely born with a penchant for it. You know, I, I was drawn to it. And so therefore the passion, just wanting to be immersed in it, I think just, you know, elevated me and, and propelled me forward until I was to supplement that with formal training. I think they just kind of go hand in hand. But I think I was also just blessed with a good ear. Or I've always been really good at ear training exercises, being able to identify chords just by hearing them or modes and scales and all that theory stuff, even before I kind of knew what they were called, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I guess it's just been there a while. <laughs> well, that makes sense. Just when you speak, you have such a pretty voice too. I'm like, oh, that must come naturally. But now oh, I, mean, I know you work <laughs> at it. <laughs> It's, I work at it because I like it and maybe I like it because I'm good at it. It's like this little cycle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, see that makes sense. What about the dancing? When did you pick up dance? I've always liked to dance. It was never something that I really sunk time into. Like I did my high school's equivalent of glee club, so that required some dancing. But okay. I was never super confident and comfortable with it. You know, I <laughs> struggled to remember choreography. I think just because I was a teenager and my brain was in a million different places. Let's see, I did, you know, our, our school's musicals as well. So that's, those kind of things are more like theater dancing. I don't know if that's actually a style, but <laughs> jazz and tap, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and I, I didn't, uh, I didn't gravitate towards it as much. So I think I didn't focus as much. But I recently, I think it was only, well, maybe it's about three years now, I was introduced to pole and exotic dance because of the Streets music video with Moonrunner83. As, yeah. As funny That's as where it, it started? That's where it started. I um, So originally the script was going to have my character doing a pole routine. And I, you know, <laughs> I was like, okay, well, crap, I better learn how to pole dance in a month. So... You did, though. <laughs> I looked up local studios, and lo and behold, the San Francisco Bay Area's premier exotic dance studio was like five minutes from my house and started taking pole classes. The script ended up getting rewritten so that my character wasn't actually doing anything on the pole, but I kept taking classes, and I was dancing for about two hours every week for an entire year. Just completely fell in love with it. I think that made me remember choreography better because I was really into it. Have you found a studio out here that you like yet? Or are you continuing with that? So right now, uh, I finally got a pole at home. Um, 
just a couple months ago, and it feels so good to finally have that again because pretty much throughout the whole pandemic since last March, I was just doing floor work, you know, via Zoom classes. And then finally, I was able to get a pole at my new house because there's actually a spot for one and we own the house so we can do whatever we want with it now. And I'm actually still taking Zoom pole classes from my old studio. I have not explored any local studios yet, but that is on the list as soon (laughs) as things kind of open back up. Yeah. I had someone trying to convince me to to do it because she taught the class. She wants students, you know. Oh, cool. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not even halfway that strong yet. (laughs) Well, you know, you start start small and work your way up. They're not going to make you do any upside down things right away. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. It's really fun. I highly recommend it. Oh, maybe we could take a class together. (gasps) That's right. (laughs) Because we're local. Oh, man, that'd be awesome. I don't know. You'd probably be in the advanced class, though, and I'd be into the like skinny weaklings that can't hold themselves up yet. (laughs) Baby polar. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I can't do those leg lifts with the shoes on. It's it's too much. The the shoes that are heavy. The ones you're wearing in Wicked Thing. It's like, I don't have the calf strength to keep that up. (laughs) You you know, they look really heavy, but they're actually about as much as, you know, not even as as heavy as a hiking shoe. Oh, okay. (laughs) They're like, uh, you know, a Converse sneaker. They're really, they're meant for dancing, so they're super light. Gotcha. Okay. I assume they were solid. (laughs) But I did look up uh, recently, I mean, within the last year or so, just because I'm just trying to get back into fitness something that's like a full body but not tedious like being on a treadmill for an Mm -hmm. hour you know it's like i think the worst part about exercise is that it's boring it is pretty boring and pole dancing doesn't look boring (laughs) i can confirm it is not boring it is and also it's absolutely a full body workout literally from the top of your head to the tips of your toes yeah i've seen some of those competitive videos of those competitive dancers and it's like geez like so much strength in every finger even you'd hold yourself up on the pole with a pinky or something oh yeah they're not they're absolutely nuts (laughs) yeah the you can tell someone's a pro when they make their own body weight look without gravity you know they they make themselves look light as a feather when in reality it's so hard (laughs) yeah goodness i saw one lady she was like slowly circling down the pole she was holding herself up with her knee and like her arms are out or one of her legs is out and just her knee was hooked around the pole and it was just slowly spinning like how is she doing that that's like not only holding yourself up but in position yeah leg hangs are i've definitely tried a leg hang but they're not super easy (laughs) anyway getting back to the music So what's the first instrument you picked up? Besides your voice, obviously. Yeah, that just sort of was there. (laughs) I was, I mean, I'm trying to think if we had a keyboard before I started piano lessons or not. But in any case, I started actually taking piano classes when I was eight because I wanted to learn how to play. And my goal, actually, even at that age, was to learn how to sight read because I saw people and admired people for being able to look at a piece of sheet music and just sit down and play it. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> me too. Yeah, that was that was always my goal. Did piano lessons for a long time. Yeah, so piano was kind of my first love. And I'm glad that I started with piano because every single bit of training or like at the collegiate level is piano based. Everything is based on piano. You actually have to take piano lessons in small sections for music majors. Like you have to be able to play chords. You have to be able to accompany yourself, learn 
scales and modes and identifying chords by ear, stuff like that. And that is way more challenging on other instruments. Yeah, I can only imagine the piano's all laid out Mm -hmm. exactly in order. Yep, it's the best theory tool. So I'm kind of lucky that little eight-year-old me decided that piano (laughs) was where to start. Did you pick up anything else over the years? I did, yeah. Um, I started teaching myself guitar in high school. I still have the guitar. I have a really gorgeous um, three-quarter size Martin. Those are cute. They're really cute. It's got a full-size neck, so the full range is there, but the body's a little bit smaller, and it just makes sense because I'm a very, very small person. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so I was teaching myself guitar. I never took any lessons. I went to like a rock and roll camp for a couple summers and performed with my guitar on stage. And it's so funny thinking back on that because I pick up a guitar now and I'm like, oh, I can play five chords and that's it. (laughs) So I I didn't really continue with guitar. I don't know. It just, it didn't grab me after a while. I was really into it for a short amount of time. And then I was like, eh. <laughs> and then, um, so I met my husband. He's a drummer and a guitarist. And he taught me how to play some drums so that I could play drums for him while he was practicing guitar. So I can play a little cool. bit of drums. I'm probably better <laughs> at drums than I am at guitar. Um, they're super fun. He actually ambushed me at our own wedding and <laughs> pushed me on stage. And I ended up playing drums with the band just in your wedding dress in my wedding dress on the fly no pressure that's so cool there's a kind of adorable video of it and then i can't remember if this was before or after we got married i think it was after i wanted to supplement my film scoring with real strings so i decided to start learning violin and i took violin lessons for a couple years until my teacher moved away and then we moved away and then we moved away again so i haven't started lessons again but at some point i would really love to pick the violin back up and it has come in handy with kind of layering in some real string instrument or you know some real string parts with my sampled strings when i'm doing orchestral arrangements that would be cool have have you ever seen uh there's a really awesome like violin cover of muses hysteria I feel like i've come across that before but now i kind of need a refresher i'm sure it's amazing (laughs) I'll send it to you. She's on an electric violin. Perfect. And I'm like, I feel like I can hear that in your future music, maybe. Very possibly. (laughs) I do. I actually did do some violin on the very last track of the album. Moving on. Mm -hmm. So that was you doing violin? Yes. That's so cool.
your first like full length, far as I remember. Mm-hmm. Let's see. So what made you decide on the inner demons theme? Well, it's a good question. It wasn't really a conscious decision. I started with the track Possession. That was the first one that I wrote or, you know, that I that I wrote and produced for the album. And that was uh, like late 2019. It's been in the works for a while. And I don't know, that one just, it kind of just came out as like this metaphor, you know, this not like on the nose demonic possession, but just sort of like internal struggles and desires as a metaphor for being possessed and that first track just kind of set the tone and most of the songs are in that sort of realm um, with a few that are a little bit more outward facing and by that i mean relatable i guess some of them are very internal and some of them are very external like commiserating with uh, other people who may be feeling the same way if that makes sense yeah are we talking about uh jealousy (laughs) jealousy um definitely you're not alone and a little bit of moving on kind of have that this is our struggle as opposed to this is my struggle yeah i got the feeling that uh jealousy in particular just because i noticed (laughs) it wasn't really about like relationship jealousy not at all no that's yeah that's That's what i thought (laughs) going into it that it might be about but then listening to the words it's like oh this is about everybody (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it was you know about my frustration with the music and entertainment industries and just being a musician who wants to break that glass ceiling as much as possible but is trying so hard to rise you know to some sort of spotlight while people who you know do dumb shit or just are super weird and maybe not talented are in the spotlight already and it's just my you know (laughs) my internal battle with with that jealousy where i see somebody like uh i don't think they're supposed to be so highly praised (laughs) but you know that's just my own opinion but i do feel like there are definitely some other talented artists and musicians and creators out there who probably feel similar. Yeah, I, you know, we hear it through the grapevine and all. <laughs> some people are attracted to a gimmick. Yeah, sensationalism sells, mm-hmm. and regardless of, of how deep or empty it is. And I feel like most people really can tell where somebody came from. Like, you have obviously been doing this your whole life. This isn't something that you're like, oh, well, I heard synthwave five years ago and uh, thought I'd take a crack at it and this is what I got. Like, no, that's not that's not the work you're putting out. This is a lifetime of training. I'm glad you can tell. <laughs> yeah, definitely Thanks. can tell. I mean, that doesn't mean I can't find my appreciation for people that are finding their artistic spark late in life. Oh, I mean, for sure. If, that, if I ever found mine, it would be late in life for me. I'm 35, you know? So we're exactly the same age. That's awesome. Are we? Yeah, I was born are. in August. <laughs> oh, so I'm even older than you, maybe. Wait. Maybe a little bit. No, I'll be so, 36 in August. Okay. So you're like nine months older than me. <laughs> yeah. Still. 85. Yeah. Okay. Yep. You are just a smidge older than my husband. So the song, You're Not Alone, is that along the same lines? Is that also about uh, the music industry or it is fighting yeah. to be seen? It is. It's it's that constant nagging and, and pushing and and uh, struggle to be heard and appreciated for the hard work that we as creators do. I, I noticed that a lot of your work is for um, the gaming industry too. Have you found other struggles in particular, like sexism, affecting your work? 
Well, I mean, if I am a victim of that, I luckily have not seen much of it. And it's, you know, behind the scenes where I would never be approached by people who have that attitude and therefore I wouldn't know. So luckily, I've only kind of experienced blatant sexism a few times. I, <laughs> one blatant example was I reached out to a director and was like, hey, I noticed you do a lot of Lifetime thrillers. I scored a Lifetime thriller a few years ago and, you know, your work's really cool and it would be great to work with you. And <laughs> his response before even checking out my work was, well, next time I have a female protagonist, maybe I'll look you up. Wow. And I'm like, wow. really, really, dude, really? I mean, I'm... <laughs> I you thought just, you were asking for a voice or something? I don't know. He, he, I guess, in his mind, a female composer couldn't properly emotionally address a film with a male protagonist, which is absolute BS. What? Okay, that that was my that was my take on it, and wow, okay. it just it, it kind of like on one hand it makes me crack up because it's ridiculous, and on the other hand it pisses me off. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I feel that. That's definitely both. <laughs> that probably would have pissed me off more than... I don't, I don't know what I would do, though, trying to be in a professional context and not rip his head off for that. Yeah, sometimes it's challenging. <laughs> I, You know, it's funny. I have no offense to the film industry. I still love movies and I love the community that is there, but I have seemed to face a little more prejudice in the film music industry than the gaming industry. Game people are just a lot more accepting and weird and quirky and okay. there, there's less. It's still there, you know, game composers are only still, or actually game audio as a whole is only about 10% female. But that's, you know, compared to the film industry, which is 3% are female composers. Mm. It's so tiny. It's like... I wonder if it's because a lot of them are older and traditional. Yeah, I mean, things are slowly changing, but anything like that just takes a very long time to change. Yeah, I, th I think that was one of my first thoughts when uh, when I discovered you, I realized that. I think I knew you as uh, the singer on the Moonrunner album, because that's when I first really started to <laughs> get to know everybody. Because I was listening on the sidelines on mm -hmm. Spotify, not knowing who these people were. Right, sure. And then uh, you were coming out with, with Hostile Takeover around the same time or you already had or something and I just thought it was so badass because you have this this polished voice which that alone could be your project for life but then you've got all this other this this music that you're composing that could have absolutely nothing to do with the pretty voice <laughs> and it's still badass and you're still selling it and then that's when I kind of started poking around into all your work I'm like oh you do all this stuff that is awesome <laughs> But there's always a part of me that's like, I know how the world treats women, though. What's going on? You know? Yeah, yeah. I, I've been fortunate in that regard. I think I'm sort of in a, a place where culturally it, it's it just kind of becoming less and less of, a, of an issue. And I'd like to think that my work speaks for itself. And that's why I've been able to have as many projects as I have and, and do as many things as I have done. And thank you <laughs> for... Um, <laughs> For, you know, checking out my work and and discovering that I am indeed more than just a voice because <laughs> without being cranky, it's a little 
challenging sometimes to not snap at people when they're like, oh, you know, you're such a good singer and here are my other favorite singers because part of me is like, oh, thank you so much. I love that you noticed my voice, but I am legit one of the only, if not the only woman that I know or can find that produces and mixes my own work. Like there are none of us. And so some part of me is always like, ah, but but you never comment on my production <laughs> or my mixing. <laughs> but, you know, I get it. Like surface level consumers aren't really paying attention to that. The voice is definitely what stands out. Yeah. Well, a voice like that sounds like it comes from someone that's devoted their life to their voice and might not have time to also learn how to do this badass music. And like that could be your day job if you didn't want to do anything but sing. It's just it would be so believable. That's an interesting way to think about it and a perspective that I have never had. So thank you for that. You do a lot. <laughs> I do, yes, I I do a lot. I always have known that I wanted to have a music career. So I kind of was like, well, here's the things that I'm interested in. What's going to stick? <laughs> <laughs> Try to do as many different facets as well as I possibly can and see what works. Won't let me 
So if we can go back to a hostile takeover, sure. Uh, what made you want to put out an album that was completely instrumental? Well, funny story. That's actually a video game score that I disguised as oh. an instrumental release. Okay, I don't know about that. Yeah. What, so what video game? Can you talk about it? The video game is called Hostile Takeover. Um, oh. He's actually still working on it. The developer oh, okay. was just a solo guy working on it in his spare time and wanted the music to kind of set the tone for the whole game as he was developing it. So I ended up finishing well before the game was to be released. And he was like, okay, well, I don't really want you sitting on this forever. So go ahead and release it. And hopefully we can use that as a tool when the game does, you know, near completion and we can kind of remarket it. Yeah. So, you know. I look forward to the game coming out eventually, but he's, you know, chipping away at it. And luckily, I just, I have this cool album I can show people in the meantime. Awesome. Let's see. Normally, I ask about tours and live streams. It sounds like you're not uh, preparing a live stream, though. Have you thought about doing a live stream concert? I, you know, yes, I've thought about it. I get asked this pretty frequently, like, when am I going to tour? When am I going to start doing live shows or at least, uh, you know, web shows? And like I said before, it's just not feasible right now as a one-person show. I mean, a lot of people kind of have music as their hobby, their side interest, maybe half their time with another day job. So it, it seems like there's a little bit more flexibility. With me, I literally have five clients right now and 50 tracks that I'm to produce within the next couple months. So (laughs) my my capacity is very, very small for things (laughs) that would not necessarily benefit my career as much as, you know, Mm -hmm. paying paying client work. So eventually, you know, I, I would love, I would love so much, hopefully it happens one day, where I can literally hire a team to book shows for me, set up a tour, deal with merch and deal with equipment hauling and gear and setup and I can just show up <laughs> and perform. <laughs> that would be that would be ideal. But you know, until I reach that point, it's just not priority. No, I totally understand. Yeah, I was just curious because I mean that's <laughs> that would be one hell of a show because you are the total package. <laughs> Everything. However, I've not tried pole dancing and singing at the same time. So Well now you have to <laughs> I, I don't know if I could actually pull that off. <laughs> well, you, you just got to do with what all the big stars do when the lip sync. <laughs> Never. <laughs> that, that's like next level. That's <laughs> the definitely things that the audience. <laughs> I the think... audience doesn't know or appreciate how much work goes into it. Yeah, I feel like that's with most disciplines. I don't know what it takes to fix a car, but I'm sure a mechanic would tell me all sorts of you know (laughs) hardships and how complicated things are and I just have no idea except a surface level understanding that would be cool though we do have a club here called Mercury they do a lot of goth shows though Mm. although cyberpunk wouldn't be too far off no it wouldn't I actually had one fan who listened to my album and said it was more goth than he thought it would be so I'm down (laughs) (laughs) speaking of merch I, I mm. haven't mentioned yet that uh, Megan McDuffie has her vinyl pledge going on. Get Inner Demons on vinyl campaigns. Uh, let's see, 24 days left. Yes. For that. 
Yes. That's through a that's through Bandcamp, right? It is. Yeah, it's kind of a newer feature of Bandcamp, which is awesome. I thought, you know, hey, yes, let somebody else handle it. If people want vinyl, they can, you know, try to get vinyl, and if I get enough, I'll actually get them printed instead of having to order a bunch of vinyl and never sell them all. So yeah, if you want a vinyl, yeah. and you know, vinyl's pretty cool. Check yeah, it out. It looks gorgeous. It's got this it's turquoise with black splatter looks like mm-hmm. uh, picture the shoes the artwork is oh those are your shoes that's your feet <laughs> yes those are my another pair of my epic dance shoes <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome speaking of the artwork who did the illustrations for um the singles oh yes okay another awesome fan that i reached out to we just sort of randomly connected on Instagram a while ago. He was a fan of my music and I noticed he does amazing artwork. So eventually when it came time, I was like, hey, Michael, his name's Michael Cotto. He's from Brazil. And I commissioned those from him and it was, you know, he gave me a super good deal too. I would have paid him more, but heck, I guess he was excited <laughs> to do them. But yeah, he did an awesome job. Oh, they're, they're gorgeous. The uh, 13th hour one reminds me of, um, I have Labyrinth manga. Yes. Oh uh, my gosh, me too. The return, sorry, the Return to Labyrinth. Yes, I have that <laughs> on my bookshelf. I've got, see, I got, I got three. Is that, is yes. that all of them? I think that's okay. it. I didn't, that was three at the time. I don't know if it came out with more. I believe there are only three, but yeah, that's true. It does kind of, the, the anime style is similar. That story is a bit off the wall though. Yeah, it is. <laughs> not, is that canon? Cause I don't know if that's canon. I think they just did whatever they wanted. <laughs> I will say that uh, the labyrinth, like I did not know that I could be attracted to somebody so young, but I think I was three and I had a crush on David Bowie like immediately. <laughs> yeah, I think that was probably true for many of us youngsters. And I hear that the, the opposite is true, that a bunch of young boys fell in love with Jennifer Connelly in instantly as well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well... Thank you so much for being on the show with me. It's about time I had you on, especially now that you're one of my locals. Yes, and I love that I was able to finally be on the show, and hopefully we can actually hang out in person someday. Yeah, it'll, it'll be soon. <laughs> Have you got your vax yet? <laughs> not yet. I'm still on the wait list. <laughs> uh, I got mine, but I'm still not fully immune until Sunday, I gotcha. guess. Gotcha. Yeah, well, things, things have kind of started opening up. For mm -hmm. casual visits but yeah for sure. anyway congrats on the release your first full-length vocal pop album thank you I, I i absolutely love it the, the lyrics are deep if you're gonna listen listen to the lyrics so I, real i appreciate <laughs> that it's funny because they say you should never read youtube comments i do anyway against my better judgment and one person said that my lyrics were weak <laughs> i was like dude <laughs> have you listened to things in the top 40 do, do you know what pop music sounds like this is i wouldn't say these are shallow lyrics <laughs> oh that guy's not busy with literally anything else in his life so yeah yeah don't worry about that i know yeah <laughs> like who doesn't just move on if that's really their opinion they just need to knock people down because they know yeah. they're wrong yeah i think it's yeah i just anytime somebody posts something like that i just think about feeling sorry for them you know like they probably don't have a lot going on in their life they they don't feel like they've amounted to much, so they have to bring other people down. Yeah. Somebody on YouTube called me an ASMR nightmare. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. That's so far from true. <laughs> people 
people come on the, the station to listen to music like while they're gaming or something. They don't want to hear yapping. And so it doesn't matter who's talking or what they sound like. We're going to get insulted if we're interrupting their night. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. If that person didn't want to hear talking, then why did they tune in? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of reminds me of some of my best nicknames that were supposed to be insults, but I've taken them and I've flipped them around into something <laughs> empowering. And the, <laughs> those are those are ancient alien. What? Okay. Yep. What? Tranny, and oh god, what was the third one? Oh, and child of Satan. <laughs> that last one's very open ended. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but like, come on, those are pretty imaginative, and from where I'm standing, none of them are insults. <laughs> yeah, but I've been called transgender too. I'm like, mm, no. But yeah, no, why? but but it's like, oh, what? you were trying to insult me with that? No, that's, <laughs> that's okay. not gonna work either. Yeah, what? <laughs> Maybe I not am. What's it to you? Yeah, like, what does it matter? Who cares? <laughs> wow, people are just jerks. Yeah. Uh, so, what do we want to play out with? I usually play out with something kind of pretty or ethereal. I'm thinking and could be moving on. Moving on is definitely a, a good sort of closing type song. Yeah, let's do that. And let's hear that violin too. Once again, thank you for, for being my guest. Absolutely. Thanks for inviting me. Anytime. Next release, let's do it. <laughs> Next yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's play off with uh, moving on and listen for the violin. That's Megan. And uh, thank you all for listening. And uh, go, go grab that vinyl on Bandcamp. Submit to the pledge. I'm about to. Sweet. Put that on vinyl. <laughs> and thank you all. Uh, thank you, Megan. And have a good night. Mm-hmm.